Oh, oh where he went down yeah. on her. Oh. oh. That was. Yeah. And then he just left her there. Like, you know, she had her time and he's like, mm, nah. It was. That man oh. is hungry. He is hungry for some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And you are officially welcomed to the second part of our Bridgerton review. Why are we such dorks? Like, I don't um, even anymore. I, I don't question we've it. We've been recording for like two hours at this point, so things could, might, will probably get chaotic by the end. When have we not been chaotic the first part and now probably even this part? Like, we've been chaotic the whole time. (sighs) Chaotic is our brand. Yeah. It is. We've trademarked it. Chaotic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we were going to move into, well, I mean, first of all, if you haven't listened to our first part, it has been posted, so (laughs) you can go and listen to that first because or else things are not going to make much sense to you. Yeah, it was episodes one to four, and yeah, we talked all things um, Bridgerton and reggae and uh, (laughs) yeah, and butts. Oh my god, guys, we did not even talk about the spoon. Ah! Oh, yeah. (laughs) We completely wow. bypassed the spoon leaking scene. That was what, episode three? Yeah. That was a good scene. That was a good... Was it episode two? It was episode one. No, no. it was two. It no, was two. It, it was two. It was when they were, like, doing their um, attachment No, it was scene. episode three. Oh. Three. Because I have a little drawing of a spoon and a tongue, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Wow. Uh... I mean, that was purely for the ladies. Uh, that was <laughs> purely... I just love that the writers were sitting around a table at one point having a meeting and being like, okay, so we're going to have this scene where it's just a wide, like a big shot of Reggae's face yep. and he's going to go to town on that spoon and then we're going to sh- <laughs> shift around to Daphne and have her react. But it was also like I was talking about the ladies, like as in like. The other women at the place was like they were also watching. Him. Oh, I mean, I thought you meant us, which I was. Oh, like, yeah. Yes. I mean, anyone attracted to reggae, which is like the whole world. Yes, that that scene that was for scene us. That scene was for me specifically. <laughs> yeah, it spoke to my soul and other parts. It spoke. To, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It spoke to uh, certain things. <laughs> So anyway, I just I just realized that we completely bypassed that, which is a travesty. Horrific. Exactly. And just thought I would mention it. You did the world a good, Marge. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank thanks. You. I mean, I feel like it would look really bad on us if we hadn't <laughs> mentioned that. I scrapped the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's no part um, one anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. It's shameful. Um episode five. Which is titled, and I love this, 
The Duke and I. I know. It was the title of the book and uh, it is. it's the title of the episode. And actually, Daphne does say The yes. Duke and I a couple of times in, in the yes. show. And I love every time she does. Because it's not like obvious and cringy like it could be. Yeah. It's yeah. just actually really sweet and natural. And I just love that. I am like one of those readers that I love like finding out why the book is called that or like whenever the title is mentioned in the book. Um, and that was the case for the show as well. So like I loved listening every to every time Daphne said the Duke and I and the episode as you said was titled the Duke and I so I loved it why why is it titled the Duke and I well it is the episode that everyone's been waiting for um (laughs) wedding bells we are getting a (laughs) wedding um so basically they petitioned to get a special marriage license um to get married in three days, but we find out it gets denied. And by who? The queen. The queen. Which is the best addition to, well, I mean, no, I will say, I will write me down, write this down into history. I say that this is the best addition they could have done to the series is this the fact that they get denied the special license because in the book they get it and then they get married and that's yes because and it is the best thing because it gives us ladies and gentlemen the scene in which simon confesses his love in front of the queen and he has this whole speech that is just so fucking romantic beautiful and i want to read part of it but we we won't we'll we'll wait until we get to that part because stuff happens before then (laughs) okay (laughs) um what happens all i have next is um they go to the queen so i think you need to fill in what okay between the denial so one thing i wanted to mention is i love how awkward they get when they realize yes. they're going to get married, like, their whole dynamic ch- shifts. Suddenly, they just don't know how to act around each other. Um, I mean, Simon is drunk as hell because <laughs> he's just... Uh, yeah. And fi- found on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, my God. When he tells the... When he, t- he, he shouts into the bar, play the song about the trapped wife... <laughs> yeah i mean like that was supposed to be funny but it's also very telling of how like what he thinks is happening here whereas daphne is thinking it's completely different and she's she thinks he's mad like she thinks he he doesn't want to speak to her anymore because yeah she thinks she trapped him into this which they kind of trapped each other let's be real like yeah it was a two it was a, a thing of two people um Mm-hmm. So I just I love the awkwardness. I always do. I did too. Um, and we should also um say that Eloise decides to take it upon herself to find out who Lady Whistledown yeah. is because yeah. Lady Whistledown has been causing some issues. And also it's Eloise. She wants to know. I um, love Eloise mm-hmm. so much. I know. The actress is I amazing. love her character. Yeah. She's great. I didn't realize that the the people they got were a lot older than I thought they were. Is she? Um, Eloise. Yeah, Eloise is 31 wow. and Penelope's 33. Or 32. Well, how old is Eloise in the series? They're supposed to be young. 16, I think. Yeah. She's, wow. well, I mean, she's she's having her come out. So probably 16, 17. Yeah. I mean, I think more 17, yeah. right? I think the come out is like 18. I think it's 17. I don't know. All I know... She's young. (laughs) How old was was Daphne in the book? I don't remember. 
Well, okay, so in the book, she gets introduced at 18, but when she meets Simon, she's 20, because by that point, it's been two years, and she has had no suitors. Oh, and then in the show, they changed it that it was her first season, and they wanted her to get chosen yeah, in her first exactly. season. Okay. So, in, and we we get a scene, which I love. Like, the queen doesn't exist in the book, first of all. But we get a scene mm-hmm. with her husband, the king. And I really yeah. think mm-hmm. that scene changes your whole perspective of the queen because um, up until then she's like she's a gossip she's kind of like this i don't know how to describe her but she's she doesn't she's she's very troublesome well she's very one-faceted at that point but i do think that that Mm -hmm. scene really shows you that there's a lot more depth to her character and i really hope that they they keep on exploring that because so essentially we find out that um, her husband most likely has like Alzheimer or something like that, and um, yeah, he he really isn't like he used to be. But it's it's clear that she loves him, you know, and and that that's not possible anymore because he just doesn't really remember much, and he thinks that she's a crazy woman, and so um, that's important because it comes into play when Simon makes his grand confession. Which yeah. she has like a line that I just I love how she says it because she it's just full of emotion and stuff. Um, so, so that scene, yeah. they go to the queen. Yeah. Um, Daphne goes with the intent to lie yeah. to her, the queen to say that they loved each other from the first day. It ain't working. Um, so how did Simon? Um, how did he approach the queen? Well, <laughs> let me pull it up, shall we? Yeah. Say the whole speech though. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> No, not the not the whole speech. You need to speech. say it with I, that I passion march, that British yeah. accent, that deep gravelly voice. I mean, I can't. Okay. I can't pretend I'm Simon. Like he just does it so well. Um, Fine. Well, this is this is going to be underwhelming. I'm kidding. But he says <laughs> Okay, so he so like he, he I'm just going to start halfway down. Okay? So Okay. So he says, "You see, Miss Bridgerton and I have been fooling all of Mayfair for some time. We have fooled them into yeah. thinking we are courting when really, all along, we simply enjoyed each other's company so much we could not stay away from each other. And then he says, I have never been a man that much enjoyed flirting or chatting or indeed talking at all, obviously referring to his speech impediment. Um, yeah. But with Daphne, Miss Bridgerton, conversation has always been easy and that's the part that really gets to me because it's like yeah yeah it's always been easy with her which is why we don't really see the speech impediment at all um Mm -hmm. and then he says her laughter brings me joy to meet a beautiful woman is one thing but to meet your best friend in the most beautiful of women is something entirely apart and it is with my sincerest apologies i must say it took the prince coming along for me to realize I did not want Miss Bridgerton to only be my friend. I wanted her to be my wife. I want her to be my wife. <laughs> and, oh, my God. This is why... And this is just part of it. It's better than that. And obviously, just think of Simon saying it, and it's like, you know, takes it to a whole new level. But um, this is why I love that they added that, that the license gets denied because we wouldn't have gotten this otherwise so in the book we don't get a speech like this no in the book no no speech i mean he might i think he might have one at 
one point later on but like not but does not he this. say anything similar like that to anyone about daphne no. and him no oh um, i really yeah i love like, that scene the, the the speaking being easy with daphne i do think that's from the book okay <laughs> um i loved it that scene was so beautiful it had me tearing up yes. it, i just teared up again listening to you say it even though it wasn't in his voice <laughs> i'm just such a good actress <laughs> i really okay. pulled through with the emotions here i think academy you did. <laughs> um how did you feel about that s like i don't know i just felt like it was really interesting to me yeah no it was a good it was really a good speech and it was emotional too yeah for me, I thought it was really interesting that, like, um, they took that opportunity to have that speech, but also it was a man saying it in front of, a like, a female queen, in front of, like, a female, like, I guess, audience. And it's just, like, he was vulnerable in that sense. Like, you can tell, like, obviously, yes, he said it because he wanted the license as quick as he could possibly get it, but he meant it. And, like, there were words that he felt within him and, like, he was bearing his soul, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Um, so yeah. I thought it was really interesting that that had happened in that situation. But that's another but instance it. where I really feel like they are aware of the period dramas because they, the men always have this grand confession, like Mr. Darcy in that gazebo or whatever. <laughs> but it was private. Yes. Well, yes. Um but they always have those grand speeches, and now Mr. Simon is... Why do I keep saying Mr. Simon? Lord Simon. I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's not a mister. Your grace. Your grace is um, inscribing himself into this tradition of uh, confessing, confessing one's love in a grand way. <laughs> yes. And I lived for it. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. Hands and down. like Daphne is like, oh my God. But, like, also, she's, she's like she's, shocked. But she's clearly also wondering if it's true because she doesn't know it's true. Well, yeah, she doesn't know because like they as like as we talked about, like they don't really talk about emotions like they never really got that heavy in terms of like their conversation because like up until like I think it was episode three, it was literally just a ruse. And then now all of a sudden they're forced to get married and they're forced to face these situations. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. And so we get to the scene that S wants to talk about, which is the scene. Well, so they get married <laughs> first. Let's talk about the fact that they get married because mm -hmm. Violet actually, weirdly enough, Violet, Violet, wow, Violet waits <laughs> after the wedding to tell Daphne. But that's how they usually do it. No, they usually do it the night before. No, it's usually no. like um, mm -mm. when she's. Mm -mm. It's always the night before. And in the book, it is the night before. Oh. Well, I don't know. Is it the same in the book or no? The awkwardness, it it's even more awkward in the book. I'm, I'm honestly, this is like, I wish they had taken the scene from the book word for word because it is so funny how Violet is struggling. <laughs> she doesn't know what to say or how to say it. And like, she's really awkward about it. And Daphne is all confused and like, she doesn't understand what's going on. And yeah, so first they get married um which i love the wedding first of all yeah, yeah. and she looked beautiful oh, she i loved i loved she it she was and he was too like for once he had oh, like yeah. he was actually properly dressed <laughs> for once yes because <laughs> he's actually he's not dressed as he should be like like his neck should be pretty hidden away um but he's always like wearing oh, really? his collar open and stuff yeah um so i love how he takes off her glove 
and puts the ring on and and then yeah loved it and then afterwards i love how the the awkwardness continues during the reception (laughs) with like how Mm -hmm. daphne is like longing to talk to him and he's just not having it and i'm just yeah i don't know why but this is the angst that i live for all right i just love awkwardness and angst and just people wanted to talk to each other but not doing it that's my shit um and then we get to the scene that S wants to talk about. So what do you want to say about that scene? S? What do you think about it? <laughs> so it was, I don't I guess in the book you said that it was funny and awkward yeah. and, and yeah. And then this scene is just, it's frustrating because Daphne is asking her and they're supposed to be a really tight knit family. You would think the mom would, it would be easy for the mom to talk about what goes on and yeah during sex and what to expect what not to expect what to do what not to do Mm. or whatever you know Mm. and it's just it's frustrating because Daphne is asking her and she's going she's going around and talking about dogs and 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 like the bees and like yeah I don't I don't remember what what the hell she used as an example but it's just frustrating that she wasn't able to give her a clear a clear answer i mean colin does it too eloise asks in the first episode and colin says have you ever been to a farm (laughs) i know it's a it's a thing in historical romance like i'm just gonna mention it if you have not read the fifth book in the hathaway series by lisa clay i was just gonna mention it (laughs) it is all about this idea that this poor girl Beatrix has been raised with a lot of animals and she thinks yeah. that that's how it's done which it can be done that way but <laughs> yeah that's they're just so innocent and so they see animals and they're like well okay so that's how that must be done yeah. um but I I get your point of like why would Violet do that and not prepare her as be- as best as she can for the situation which yeah. which I love that Daphne later on has a scene where she tells that to her mom she's like how why would you do that you know you really did not prepare me for any of this you prepared me to pretend but after that what the fuck am i supposed to do um so i did love that they added that because it's true like they turned this into like a funny scene but there are undercurrents of like real life fucking stuff that's right there of like repression and and ignorance and and of what goes on, you know, yeah, in the marriage bed. So, anywho, any thoughts? Yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty frustrating. Yeah, and I don't know, like I remember watching it and like yeah, I was laughing and it, <laughs> it brought me back to Beatrix in Lisa Claypass's Hathaway series, but like it was just disheartening because we, we know Daphne's going to this marriage very unaware of what's coming, um, pun intended. Um, and it's just... <laughs> I feel like that's your best one up to, like, to this day. <laughs> unaware of Thank what's you. coming. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, now I don't even remember what I was going to say. But yeah, I, I agree with you, As It was very frustrating and disheartening. And I, like, I honestly... Obviously, obviously if she was aware of what was to come, again... <laughs> <laughs> Um, then we would not have any conflict in this series, basically. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, I, I mean, I do think, like, that's probably a very real thing. You know, women are not supposed to talk about these things anyway. And yeah. so, you could, you, I think it's kind of a realistic thing in the sense that if 
if women are kept so ignorant, then it would probably in some cases lead to them hurting people because they just don't know what things are or like yeah. how it works. So, yeah. And like as close as the Bridgertons are, I feel like this is still a conversation that like isn't something like it's not done. It's not proper to have this conversation, um, especially like when Colin was making his comment about the stick, when Eloise came bursting in asking how like how does one become a child? Like it's still like it's very taboo to talk about, especially like in public, but also behind closed doors. It's very it's not something that's practiced. It's not something that's like rehearsed and like obviously Violet, she's experienced it. She's had like how many kids? Um, so she knows how it works, sorry. And um I don't know. It's just she could have chose to educate her daughter about, you know, what was going on and what will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's not something she has practice with talking about. So it's a tough one. And it essentially ends with Violet saying like, or I guess Daphne realizing like, oh, okay, so sex is what leads to babies. Like she's that ignorant that she didn't know that. Yeah. Um, What we do get, however, is the scene in the inn. Mm hmm. After the wedding, yeah. in which um, we get the, <laughs> we get, I burn for you. <laughs> um, uh, but tell me how, if any man said this to me in today's age, it was a straight face, I would have burst out laughing. Would but for you? some reason, really? it works with the British accent. It works with the British accent. It works, like, in this time period. I can't oh, imagine a girl. man of today he being made that... that work. He did. I'm telling you, I love it. But, like, I just can't see, like, a man from today's age, you know, saying that. Like, they're not as, like eloquent with their words i would say i love I mean, how like she's like oh you're far and flushed. few in between like she's like oh you're flushed like why are you angry and he's like i'm not fucking angry i'm like i yeah. want you oh <laughs> <laughs> i love that I love and i love too. how she says it too in return she's like i burn for you yeah. and then fireworks yeah i, I mean, get it on of the metaphorical sense we get our first sex scene, which is pretty intense. Uh, very beautiful, yeah. like beautifully shot too. Yeah. And then yeah. as they're having sex, Simon is like, did you touch yourself? And what did you think about? And <laughs> I died. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty good. It was, I it was rewinded good. that too. <laughs> <laughs> is it the same in the book? Their, their first sex not at all with it at the end and i can't even remember if they even have sex in the end i think they do stuff in the end but they might not have like they might not go all the way um mm. i actually don't remember but uh no there's definitely no i burn for you nor um did you think about me when you touched yourself that is not in the book oh. and uh it's <sighs> a great addition i have to say yeah and then he takes mm. her hand and he's like show me and she's like i can't and then he makes her show him. And I'm just like, bless. <laughs> bless. Um, but Simon, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's, uh, I have a name for him. He's Simon, master of the pull-out maneuver, Bassett, Duke of Hastings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, that man is... pulls out like it's his His pull-out uh, game be strong. <laughs> <laughs> It has to be. I mean, <laughs> they had condoms. In, 
and things like that back Girl, in the day. Girl, it was it was made out of intestines. Intestines, yeah. Ew. Nobody yeah. wants that inside Ew. them. No one. Plus, Ew. like, I find it hard to believe that that wouldn't rip. So I mean, intestines. They're pretty strong, mm. sure, but like, who who the fuck wants that <laughs> inside of them? I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm getting a little curious, and I kind of want to Google intestine condoms. No. <laughs> Search up um, condoms from the 1800s. I mean, there were like several contraception methods, but yeah. But uh, the pullout was uh, definitely the the fan favorite. Also, like something like jumping ten times after sex or something <laughs> <laughs> to make it come de- like come out <laughs> as if. Um, I know. Anyways, what did you guys think about? Um, so in this episode, we not only got Daphne and Simon, we also got um, Marina and um, what's uh, Miss Featherington's name again? Portia. The mom. Portia. Portia. We get Marina and Portia, like Portia trying to find a man for Marina um, before she shows um, so that she can get married off and all of that. Um, <clears throat> so how did you feel about the whole idea of trapping Colin. Like, her plan was to seduce Colin and pretend the baby was his, thus forcing him to marry her. Penelope obviously overhears, and obviously she's angry on Colin's behalf. Um, But, yeah. I mean, I I hated it, but I loved it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I loved the drama, but I hated it for Colin, Mm -hmm. but, like, I'm fine that it's in the show just because it causes drama, and I'm here for that. So, But it it was... uh, it was so hard because Marina goes through so much in this first season of like yeah, yeah she does she's pregnant and then she thinks George will write to her and then he doesn't and then she there's this fake letter that makes her think that he hated her or like didn't want her mm-hmm. which Portia wrote Portia wrote and um then Portia is trying to force old ass men onto her and like who was checking her teeth oh god that scene and then the father is just sitting there like not even caring that this poor woman is being sold off like she's cattle did you guys like when i first when marina first showed up i noticed i don't know maybe it's just me but i noticed the dad like look like looking at her like a certain way yeah, I thought and, there was like, something there too, and I was like, "Yeah, mm, I don't know if I like kind this." Like but and... they never obviously explored yeah. that. The dad is supposed to be dead in the book. <laughs> oh, is he really? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end, he does die, which leads me to I mean, believe that gone. the people that are supposed to be dead or that die eventually will die or be dead eventually. <laughs> yeah, I think they're being very like respectful of the story in the book. Yeah. Oh no! <clears throat> and they do have a lot. Like as a yeah. as a fan of the book, I don't feel like they disrespected the book at all. They it seems yeah. to me like they are following along. They're just adding to it. You know, they're just pulling every mm. little detail that they could, yeah, and expending on that. Because if you're gonna have the main plot of the love interest, like the the love story being determined and pretty set, as far as like the the books, because you you have to follow yeah. that because of the books. I think it's yeah. it's fun that they're expanding on everything else because that's where the surprises are. Like, you don't know. Even I, I don't. I didn't know what was going to happen to Marina. I mean, I kind of know what was going to happen to Marina, but <laughs> but like they definitely added stuff that I I was excited about because it was new to me too. How did you feel about the whole trying to trap Colin into 
marriage. No, oh, well, I mean, I hated it. Yeah. But like again, like I I understand Marina's situation. In yeah. A way, yeah. Which I kind of want to talk about. I think it's in episode seven, like the conversation that she has with Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I understand, but I hate it, and yeah, it's just a fucked up situation for her. That was me too. I absolutely despised it, and I hated Marina for wanting to do that to Colin because we know Colin, like he doesn't really have a bad side at the moment. Like he's a very sweet, caring, loving man. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. it's just like it's so heartbreaking to see like there are these people that are gonna like pry on him and not pry, prey on him, and like you know want to ruin his life in a sense. Um, but, like, I understand Marina. Like, she literally has no other option at all. And this is, like, the only way she can secure her, like, a good life for herself and also her child. Um, yeah. And I I think it also opens the conversation or at least helps to draw similarities between her and Daphne later on. Like, I do think that those two women sort of understand each other because both of them take actions that could, could like could be seen as wrong but they do it yeah. because they think in that moment that that is their only option and they're like i this is the choice i make for myself because everything else has been chosen by other people and so i make this choice i have to make this choice mm-hmm. which yeah i mean i love that they added that for that reason because i do think it helps daphne's character the whole thing with marina and how they are similar in that way so yeah and the episode finishes with um daphne and simon arriving at cliveden which is the biggest fucking mansion castle i've ever fucking seen i was not expecting that (laughs) yeah it was massive but again the duke is literally the highest right like i know but that's the thing like in historical romance they always talk about the houses and stuff and i i can never picture them i'm always yeah. like how big is this and this was like i was like whoa okay so this is what they mean like this yeah. is huge yeah this is a castle yep i was listen simon has it all okay yeah, he, does. <laughs> he does he got the freaking house he got he got it all he got it all he's got the face he's got the 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 bod, the, the butt, the he's yes. He's got the charm. He's got the dick. He's got the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he's got it all. He uh, has it all. He's got the title. Um, I really liked how this episode was done, though. I feel like the episode, like the wedding episode was done really well. And like the build up to the yeah. wedding and then the build up to like their first night was, yeah, pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. You would think that that's maybe a lot to have in one episode, but it actually worked perfectly. Yeah, like it's it, it, like the I feel like their pacing is amazing. That's that. Yeah. I feel like that's the main thing. Like the pacing is really, really well done in the show. Yeah, and like I said episode. in the last episode, I was worried about the pacing because of like all the things that still had to happen um, after mm. episode four. And like, yeah, no, they're doing. They were doing a really good job. Plus, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I watch a show and I th- that I love, but there's yeah. always like episodes that I skip over because I'm like, oh, that well, that one isn't as interesting. And I feel like with this one, there there are no episodes that yeah, I would no. skip. Like, it's all of them have something to offer, some like a scene or multiple, not more more than one, like multiple scenes that I look forward to. So I feel like the pacing is good that 
Sometimes yeah. I feel like there's scenes where like I'm just gonna skip over or like go take a washroom break or something like that. But like I honestly didn't feel that in the show. Like I didn't feel like I had to like take a break or like go on my phone because I'm bored. Like I honestly didn't feel that. Yeah, and they make you, f- you they make you care about the side stories just as much as the main story. So uh, are we ready to move on to episode <laughs> six, the shagging episode? <laughs> yeah, so much shagging, a lot of shagging. I honestly think it should just be called um, episode six, the shagging. The shagging. <laughs> Yeah, but it's called Swish. Swish, Swish, <laughs> bitch. Which I was like, what does that mean? But then eventually Portia is, tells um, Penelope to Swish. Oh, it was, oh, it was Marina. She's like, yes, Swish, yes, yes. Swish, Swish, to show if she's, like, if you can see that she's pregnant in her Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the shagging episode, which is the one with the wildest dream montage of uh, Daphne um, and, and uh, Simon having sex all over the castle. Literally everywhere. All over the castle. Everywhere. All the time. <laughs> which is the greatest thing in yeah. history. <laughs> yep. I agree. Like, it was like, it's literally like, it just felt like I was reading a historical romance, you know? Because, like, they have that period of time where, like, all they do is, That like, is the honeymoon phase. That's yeah. what I mean, guys, when I talk about the honeymoon phase. No, I, I know what you're kind of, like, about. brushed over. Yeah. But that is that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a, we got an episode. <laughs> a and whole I loved episode it. of that. Yeah, it was great. Um, <clears throat> I fucking love the scene where she's waiting in the dining room and he arrives late and they're like set like the table is set as like the previous duke wanted it to be and simon is like why are we sitting like you're so far away and daphne is all like giddy like all excited she's like i can remedy that i love (laughs) that scene (laughs) she's so cute and then like she so she brings her plate closer and like he grabs a chair and like both of them are like telling the servants not to do anything yeah um and they're so giddy and fun and like Eventually, they um, decide to skip dinner altogether and uh, go have sex in yeah. the rain outside. And it was gorgeous. Great. Beautiful. <laughs> Loved it. Yes. It was a good scene. Um, and in this episode, um, we also spend time with the Bridgertons. Um, and this is when um, Colin... So, also, Marina had tried to go along with her plan and tried to, you know, seduce Colin. But Colin, being the man that he is and the way he was raised, he's like, I can't... I can't do this to you. You know, if we're going to do this, we got to do it yeah. right. And so he um, proposes marriage to her. Um, and our Colin is the sweetest and is, says that he wants a long courtship. Um, so he mm-hmm. plans to marry her at the end of the season, which still is a few months away. And that is not working out for Marina because we know she's having her babies. Not soon, but she's pretty mm-hmm. pregnant. Um, yeah. And... This is the episode where it's out and about, right? Like, everyone knows that he wants to marry Marina. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Which Penelope's reaction, oh I my know. god. When she comes running to Eloise and bursts out in tears. I know. Oh my god, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, because yeah. she's so yeah. in love with him. I know, and it's... Ugh. So that all that happens because like she finds like Marina is planning to go to Gretna Green, which we know <laughs> is where like these historical romance yeah, characters go and get place. married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do any of the couples get married at Gretna Green in the series? Do you know, Marge? I don't think so. <gasps> so we'll never get to so. see it. Lisa Claypast loves a good Gretna Green. <laughs> 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 um. Anyway, we digress. Um. 
But uh, yeah, isn't it in that? Isn't it in that episode too that Marina Marina tells Penelope like, "Oh, you're it's just childish love." I think so. Yeah, yeah. I was like hating yeah. on Marina in that scene. I was like, "How dare you?" You hurt know my nothing Penelope about like what that. Penelope is going through. <clears throat> I hated that. But at yeah. the same time, um, so. One thing I love about Penelope and Eloise, like, at this point, they're fighting with each other because Penelope is out in society. She's, like, having her season, and Eloise has chosen to take the season off and, like, have her debut the next season. Um, And then they have a little bit of a tiff because... Eloise wants to find out who Lady Whistledown is, and Penelope is saying that she has bigger issues to deal with, like, you know, the man that she loves is marrying someone else, and, like, she just doesn't know what she's going to do with her life. They fight, but then, like, as you said, Penelope, like, at the end of the day, like, they're sisters, they're best friends, like, she comes running and crying to Eloise, and, like, I was just like, this is so realistic, because, like, despite, like, you fighting with someone, and, like, I don't know. They're still your source of comfort. Like, Penelope had to go to Eloise because that's her best but friend. But also, yeah, but also the conversation of, like, Eloise not understanding that not every woman wants what you want. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that Penelope, Penelope has a, a line at one point where she tells her, like, well, that's what you want. But what yeah. if I mm-hmm. want this? I yeah. want a suitor. I want a wedding. I, I want, want to get married. Life. Yeah. And, like, I support you not wanting that, but I want it, and it doesn't make me any less, you know what I mean? Exactly, and I I would like for you to support me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I love, I loved the conversations this show brought up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the conversations with, that Eloise had with Benedict as well. On the swing. Yeah, I loved their relationship. Yes. Yes. And that's new. That is not oh. from books. Really? I, I, I do love that they added that because it makes sense, like, for them to be the closest mm-hmm. or closer. Because, like, she loved writing and, like, he was, like, you know, as you said, an artist, artist. But it's not something that, you know. But both of them feel like they can't do what they want to do because mm-hmm. of their situation in life. Exactly. And I just love the relationship. And I also love that... <laughs> Eloise is like they're smoking up. Oh shit, <laughs> smoking up the store. <laughs> and yeah. like, I love it. She's like, I'm just gonna own it. And like, Benedict is like, Can I have one? And she's like, Okay, here. <laughs> yeah, which which is like similar to when later on Benedict, like they're in the carriage and he brings in like his, yeah. the modiste. Yeah, and Lady he's like, Delacroix. Don't tell mom. <laughs> I just love like how see like how they know each yeah. other's secrets. Yeah, I like. Yeah. I mean, that happens. I think in episode seven, maybe I don't know, but I, I just so. like I thought it was really interesting um, that that situation happened with like Eloise there, like him picking up his, you know, the woman he's sleeping mm. with. Yeah. Um, in front yeah. of his sister, like a lady. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> but, Plus, I think Eloise starts uh, working for the queen. Yeah. Right. That, that, that also happens. <laughs> yeah i just i just i just love eloise's like facial expression all the time like she's always on point with the awkwardness yeah and like the the queen wants to talk to me (laughs) i know she is so cute i love eloise hands down i think my favorite character love her I mean, I love all of them. Like, I, this is the thing. Like, they made me like all the characters, even the ones that weren't favorites. Like, Benedict, for example. I don't like Benedict. He's the least favorite, my, my least favorite. But really? This, the show made me like him. Yeah. He's fun in the show. He, his smile, like, his crooked. He's, yeah, yeah like, he's adorable. Smirk. 
amazing adorable love it um like i said though the show made me like daphne and that's a yeah that's amazing because i I mean i I already liked daphne but i definitely think that the show really fleshed out her character even some like more yes and did a good job of highlighting the problems yeah 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 um which speaking of which (laughs) this is this is also the episode with um that scene the controversial right Um, yes so how do we get there let's okay is that the scene that seth is that the scene that you had an issue with in the book yes um so basically what happens is daphne's still very much unaware. let me grab a drink first (laughs) i'm gonna need it for this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and like i knew it was happening this episode because of like the way it was building up and i was like oh shit so they're they're doing it they're still doing it um okay so Daphne, as I said, is still very much unaware of, like, the acts of sex, like, what happens, and, like, doesn't know that, like, he pulls out not to, you know, come inside her and create a baby. But she does, like, start finding him odd that, like, he's been pulling out because she finds, like, a handkerchief that has, you know, his... His sperm. You know, mm-hmm. his release, as you say, mm-hmm. on the napkin. Because they do and, it like, on the desk. <laughs> yes, when they do it on the desk. And, like, it's, like, it's she's starting to think about it and then she like even asks him i think earlier on like she thinks it hurts him to be inside her so he pulls out because it hurts her sorry hurts him and like he's like no like that's that's not true like it feels so good to be inside you good yeah as good as it does for you yeah um and then finally she finds out the housekeeper you know she tells her um the history of the house and like the hastings line and how awful simon's dad was and then she even says Strong seed is needed to quicken in the womb. Yeah, because the father, Simon's father, was obviously, obviously, blaming the mom for, because, okay, so in the book, they don't really, they don't say that at all, actually, in the, in the, Mm -hmm. the show. But in the book, the mother had several miscarriages, plus two stillbirths. Um, so. That's so sad. So I guess what they were going for is that, um, obviously, the father blames her for this. But what the housekeeper says is, like, the seed has to be strong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, And then that's when Daphne kind of clues in. And then she has a talk with Rose again. And Rose, finally, without, like, any, like, metaphor or, like, allegory, she tells Daphne how... Like, how it works. Like, how sex works. Yeah, and Daphne says, no lies, no shame. Tell me how it works, please. And I think by that point, she's so sick and tired of being lied to by everyone and, like, people evading the subject. She's like, no, tell me how it is. Like, straight up. (laughs) Um, so, what happens? What does that lead to, guys? Well, okay. So, Daphne figures out that the reason why she can't get pregnant is because he keeps pulling out and in order for her to get pregnant she needs the seed and so she's mad because she just realized that he's been lying to her this whole time because he said he couldn't have kids and not that he didn't want kids yeah um and also because it feels like a violation of trust because and it's a betrayal yeah. It is. In her in her eyes, it is because she thought that he was telling her things like it was. Like she thought he like she he I mean she says so. I you were the person I trusted the most in the world. Yeah. And I think part of it is because 
he had sort of become her teacher in some ways. But this talk does not happen until after the situation. Yeah, but we know that. We know she feels that way. Yeah, well, we know that. And so she's mad. And she goes to the room very angry. Um, <laughs> and, you know, she decides to uh, test out, you know, the theory that she has. Um, and she holds him down as... I mean, uh, does she, though? Hold on. Hold on. Let me talk about it. So she holds him down. Um, and does then, she, though? <laughs> can you listen? So, I don't like the words you're using here. She you, doesn't hold him can down. Can you wait? I'm going to explain. Sure. So she takes the reins <laughs> and flips them over until she's like on top. Sorry, what? I was just laughing at us. <laughs> okay, anyways, so all he says um when he finally realizes her intent is wait, wait. Um and obviously that wasn't enough. She was too far gone in her situation. Um and so was he and he, you know, culminates inside her. <laughs> Um, and then that's when they had the discussion about, you know, the truth, like what that he was withholding from her. Um, and it happened a bit differently in the book, I think. Oh, a lot. Differently. So, okay. So tell me how, how it happens in the book. It's definitely tamer. Yeah. The, it's a lot tamer. Show. Yeah. Um, they make it obvious that she is not holding him down. She's on top. That's a thing. But he could have overpowered her at he any He could have. Yeah. And he, he didn't. Could've. And he says, wait, but that's it. And he's enjoying himself. He is the initiator in this situation. He And it's the same in the book. He's the one who wants sex and initiates it. So how does it happen um, in the book then? How much worse is it in the book? Okay, so in the book, he's drunk. He comes home. She's mad. And... Um, he starts having, like, she says no, and they, like, eventually they start having sex, because she wasn't going to have sex with him while drunk, but he wants it, so she's like, okay, fine. Um, and then I think she goes on top. I mean, she has to, because she's bearing down on yeah. him in the book. Um, yeah. And he says, he doesn't say anything in the in the in the book he doesn't say no he doesn't say wait um all it says is that there's a pleading look in his eyes and that's it but then afterwards he also says that he was overcome by his own need and and that stopped him from doing anything and so he does like internally in the book say that he holds responsibility for what happens like he's saying like i i was really enjoying myself and so i didn't do anything so I do think that that's a line that a lot of people overlook in the book. The fact that he himself is reflecting on what happens, on what happens and says, I, I was just, I was overcome. Okay, I feel like this is going to bring in, like, another, like, another talk that maybe we shouldn't really talk about right now. But I just feel like, yes, he enjoyed it in the moment, but it was still something he strongly didn't in want. In the book? And Are you referring to the book or the show? I think in both situations in general, but his fault was taking advantage of her innocence and naive nature and obviously not telling her the truth about, like, why he doesn't want kids. Like, he said he can't have kids and that was his own fault and that was on purpose. Um, And I'm angry at that situation. But I also feel like how this situation could have went 
a bit differently in the book and even in the the show as well is like maybe having that discussion they had after him coming inside her um you know when she talked about how angry she was and how he took advantage and like you know the trust like she was the he was the one person she trusted most um that could have had happened maybe before like the sexual situation but again she came in full full of anger um and like obviously this is the first time she's taken the reins so simon was all like whoa this is hot um but yeah, I just feel like it was a very, it's a toughie, like toughie, what, what word is that? It was a t- tough situation. Um, and I felt like the show, the changes they made in terms of like that scene, um, I liked it a lot more. Like, I definitely think that what needs to be taken into account is the fact that she's kept ignorant and so she wouldn't know what consent is to begin with. Yeah. She wouldn't know. Like, to her, a married couple has sex and to her, her one job in life is to have Mm -hmm. heirs. Yeah. That's her one job. That's her one thing that she can hope for is Mm -hmm. to have babies eventually in a family of her own. Um, And so there's that and she's been lied to and I think she she was really tired of everyone lying to her. First, Daphne then um everyone else like women are not told things the right way yeah and and i agree and she thought that he was the person that was telling her like it was and then she realizes he wasn't because it was working in his favor you know and he never sat down and said here's the thing it's not that i can't have kids it's that i don't want kids in which case i do think that if he had said i don't want kids she would have been like okay yeah because they have Do you that think she would have said the, okay? I think she would well, have tried I mean, to convince he would have him. Ex- I mean, she would have said why, and then he would have explained why, and she would have said, well, so you're denying yourself happiness because of this dead man. Yeah, which, um, is, which did happen uh, later on. <laughs> um, it does. But, but it's a valid reason. It's, well, it's a valid question of like, so you're denying yourself happiness and my happiness because of a dead ass fucking man that ruined your life. But I think what I think we're jumping ahead here. But for we me, <laughs> that situation aggravated me. Um, I keep saying situation. That conversation aggravated me because, um, of course, like for Daphne, that just seems like it just seems like a pointless thing. You know, like it seems like you know he's dead. He doesn't even know what you're doing and what you're not doing. Like it's stupid. It's like her belittling that situation and like that vow he made because like he shaped his whole life. Um, because of that vow like he shaped his life around that vow around what his father did and it's like his whole life has been that vow and it's like I don't know I just feel like it was really it was problematic and like I think the their relationship she's right when she says and so your vow to him is more important to you than your vow to me but I think change doesn't happen overnight and Daphne in her innocence believe that because you know certain things happen and like truths were like made known that like you know he would change his outlook in life and like change like how he built himself up overnight and like i just feel like ugh, i don't know he was wrong to like use her innocence and like build their marriage on her innocence and her naivety um but i don't know i just just feel like i mean Here's the thing. Overall, neither of them are right. Exactly. And I don't think that the show paints it as a right thing. It doesn't. I do think that both characters are shown as 
being wrong and having wronged the other. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, people no, hurt, I agree. And people want to hurt other people in return because they've been hurt themselves. Yeah. And relationships are messy. Humans are messy. We make mistakes. And that is an awful one to make. Yeah. I don't know. My I think my issue, it comes down to not acknowledging um, that as... I hate, I don't want to use the word like sexual assault because in this case, I guess you could argue it wasn't sexual assault, but it was still like his desires being overlooked. And like, I think they made it a, an issue of trust in yes. the show. That's what they yes. did. They, they tried really hard to show it as th- this is trust. She broke his trust and he yeah. broke hers. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a good job of like the aftermath um, in terms of like where they were in episode seven. Um and I think they did a good job of that. So that there's that. But yeah, I just feel like even in the books, it wasn't acknowledged as sexual assault because, you know, as you said, it was like Daphne was unaware of consent and all of that stuff. And um, what one agrees to in bed, um, she's, she was unaware of that. So at the time and also at the time this book was written in like 2000 and like early 2000s. It was written in the late 90s. Oh, sorry. Late 90s. So um, even then, the conversation yeah. of consent, consent was way different than it is today. Exactly. Like, and that's the thing. Like we look at it with a very modern perspective. But the thing is, you have to put yourself in the shoes of, of those characters in the time period that they live in, mm-hmm. you know, and as a woman she didn't have much choice and so she chose to make that one choice for herself but i think as it being a modern production they had the choice of like turning the narrative a bit differently and i mean sure the book they kind of did they changed it in the sense where it was about trust but i still feel like um they still needed to acknowledge like what happened but i think it happened differently in the show, so again, it d- they didn't really need to deal with, like, the whole aftermath of, you know, Simon and Daphne. So, I, I agree with, with, I agree with both of you, your, your guest's discussion. Yeah. But for Seth, you're maybe... I mean, it- I think we're kind of agreeing anyway. Yeah. So. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think about it as deeply as the way Seth is, you know, laying it all out. Like, you know, it, it, it gets you thinking deeper. Um, but so your main issue is mm-hmm. just the way Daphne went about it with the whole sex situation, her going on top and yeah, and yeah, kind of proving a point to see if whatever Rose told him he could yeah. actually okay yeah. Um, um, but like, how did you think as like um, you you didn't read the books and mm-hmm. like all of a sudden the scene happened? How did you feel watching? I it? I think my frustration went more towards towards the mom of not preparing her i think that was where my main issue mm. is that of, of yeah because it does come down to being uneducated yeah. so i understand that of, of how marge was saying that it's it has to do with trust and that broke the trust with both of them but i, I don't fault simon nor daphne i think my issue is mainly with the mom and and with the time mm. and with the time period of yeah having all these young women being naive and going into a marriage not knowing what the hell to do you know yeah it's so like awful but like yeah it's just the way it was back in the day it's so sad though and i think this is where you really see how similar marina 
and Daphne are and the choices that they've decided to make for themselves. There's this great voiceover by Julie Andrews, which I will butcher because I'm not Julie Andrews, unfortunately. Um, but and I think it, it's it's talking about both Daphne and Marina because at that point, both of them have just made those choices, you know, like it's in pretty sure mm-hmm. it's in that episode. Um, and so she says... All is fair in love and war, but some battles leave no victor, only a trail of broken hearts yeah. that makes us wonder if the price we pay is ever worth the fight. Um, the ones we love have the power the power to inflict the greatest scars. For what thing is more frig- fragile than the human heart? Um, then she goes on to say, desperate times may call for desperate measures, but I will wager many will think her actions beyond the pale. Perhaps she thought it was her only option, or perhaps she knows no shame. But I ask you, can the ends ever justify such wretched means? And so I definitely think that that's about both of them and about some will say, well, she had no shame and she was just taking whatever she wanted. And then other people will say, what was she supposed to do? And like in the book, it really emphasizes, like there's a lot of emphasis on how Daphne really thinks, all right, this is my one chance. This is, if if I just got pregnant right now, this is my one chance to have a kid. I'm never going to have a kid if this doesn't take and it doesn't take. And so it's, yeah, it's awful in the book, which I think contributes to why she makes that decision. But like, okay, so my, my take on that is, does she think then, because she's not regarding Simon's feelings in that situation then. Like, it's, like, does she think at that point their relationship is over and completely, like, there's no hope for them? Well, by that point, I think she thinks he's a stranger to her. Okay, She yeah. doesn't know okay. him anymore. Like, to her, That's that true. was... She held him in such high regards, and for him to do that, she just suddenly felt like she, he was a stranger, which she does say when she's talking to Colin later on. She does say, like... You have no idea what it is to marry a stranger and find out their secrets after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think she was clearly talking about herself in that moment. Uh, about <laughs> herself. So, are we moving on to episode seven? Yeah. Okay. So, episode seven called Oceans Apart. Very fitting. Yeah. <laughs> what happens in that episode? So, we talk about... Um, you know, Simon and Daphne at odds because obviously uh, the trust has been broken between them. Um, was it ever really there? We don't we don't know. Um, obviously not because <laughs> Simon didn't trust her with the truth. Um, and Simon says he only wants a marriage in name only and tells Daphne he'll be close to her only to find out if she's pregnant or not. And then he's like gonna skedaddle like he's gonna be gone. He doesn't want to be there anymore. This is when Colin finds out that he was being used by Marina because we find out by Lady Whistledown's newest issue um, that she is actually pregnant and she's been pregnant since she had arrived to London. And the Featheringtons are shunned by the London Ton. Like, they actually cannot even attend parties anymore. Um, And because Daphne finds out from Lady Whistledown as well that, you know, Colin was planning to get married to uh, Marina, and also Marina being, you know, discovered, um, she makes her way back to London um, with Simon. He decides to come with her. And, you know, she agrees... um, with Colin to have Marina over so that Colin could uh, talk with her about, you know, how much she played him. 
Um, and then we get to this discussion with Colin and Marina. So the episode starts, and I love that scene where Daphne is playing the piano and he's shooting <laughs> birds or whatever. <laughs> and this yeah. battle of wills between them is just yeah. so good. Like the tension. Oh, love it. Like they're both hating on each other and like trying to pester each other. And oh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was a good scene. I really enjoyed that scene as well. Yeah. And then, and then, so, and then we, she gets the, um, she gets the news about the, the pregnancy and she's like, yeah. all right, so I'm going, <laughs> oh, first of all, when they're talking during dinner and she's like, will you tell the Duke that um, oh. my things will be taken out of the room? And he's yeah. like, no, you won't. <laughs> I love that i love that because in the book that kind of does happen like i think she's she moved out like she moved to the um, duchess's room and he's like knocking on her door like like frantically like screaming like what are you doing you're not gonna sleep elsewhere because our boy is still in love you know he just won't admit it. but then he tells her that he wants to marriage a name only so like he does (laughs) So, like, what the hell is going on? What do you want? You can't have it both ways, mister. I know. I mean, he wants it all. He doesn't want her, and he wants her. So. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's what she says. She's like, well, I'm not inviting you back into my bed, so what's the point? Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I Like, as I said, like, this is pretty much, like, a heroine's journey. And, like, in this episode, she, you can see, like, I feel, actually, I feel from episode six, like, she's starting to, like, come into her own and, like, actually, like, drop the perfect like perfection facade i guess of like needing to be perfect needing to like appear perfect um and like you see her anger you see her frustration like i feel like pian- the piano scene did a really good job of like showing her actually being angry for probably like the first time um and then like yeah this episode again continues to like show her change yeah because that moves into the conversation with violet where daphne finally mm-hmm. confronts her about exactly not telling her shit and not pretend like not preparing her correctly for married married life mm-hmm. and just yeah teaching her how to pretend into society but not telling her how to f- freaking live a life a married life exactly um yeah which was incredibly important and i'm glad that they added that because i really do think it helps her character and helps kind of like you said as like it helps shifting back the perspective, like, why she, why did she do that? And, like, why would someone be, you know, like, why would someone, someone be pushed into doing that? And the, the part of the reason is, like, Violet didn't say shit, you know? And, and that's part of the, the responsibility is on her for that. Yeah. As a mother, it was her duty to educate her daughter. But at, like, as we were talking earlier, it's also the same thing, like, in society that simply isn't done. Um, but yeah, no, I would say, Daphne had a right to be as angry as she was, if not angrier, um, at her mother because it caused Daphne heartbreak. It caused her to mistrust her husband. It, like, it just, it, it was awful how Violet dealt with that situation. And I'm happy that Daphne took that moment to put her mother in her place. That conversation then paired with her conversation with Marina afterwards um, mm-hmm. about making choices and such um so s 
the conversation between Marina, Colin, and, and Daphne, what did you think? Well, that whole conversation broke my heart. Um, she, she ends up saying how she couldn't, she tells them, I did not know better. You may think me a villain, but I did what I thought I must. No one ever truly helped me or guide me in a different direction. I had no clue. And, um, fuck that, that scene. I'm just like thinking about it. It broke my fucking heart because she didn't know better. And Miss Featherington was just using her. She had to deal with everything in the only way she thought was right. And like you said, like, she was unaware, I'm pretty sure, when she had sex for the first time, like you said. Um, so I just feel like she, it's she just heartbreaking. She didn't know how the fuck seed works either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, obviously she's left with a baby and no man because man went to go fight in war. And, like... And, like, it's just heartbreaking because, like, she's forced to do everything on her own. Like she said, she didn't know any better. And, like, she literally had no one. And, like, she didn't know what to do. So she had to do everything for herself. Um, But Colin being Colin, you know, an amazing man that he is, had, like, he told her straight up. Had she told him the truth, he would have married her without a second thought. Sweetheart. And, like, sweetheart, yes. But it just proves that, like, Yes, she's mistrusting of people because obviously the world hasn't been kind to her. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, t- it's a sad situation for sure because Colin, of course, being Colin, would have married her, um, would have provided a home for her. But it's just, it's, it's tough. But I also think that him saying that is sort of a parallel to Daphne and Simon too. Of like, Simon, had he told her his real reason, yeah. maybe she would have been like, all right, well, fine like we won't have kids if that's what you want to do but he didn't and colin would have been like had you told me i would have said i would have married you but you chose not to tell me you chose to lie and use me and pretend that you you know that you loved me again it was another game of pretend and it was another breaking of trust exactly and then after that though it was i think it was when daphne confronts simon and asks him straight up what the hell oh yeah and then he explains um that he made a vow to his his father um on his deathbed so yeah we already talked about that um but i mean it's it's an important scene because she's like so your vow to him is more important than your vow to me and ultimately he's like yeah (laughs) um which and and she has and it's one of my favorite lines like she says we'll be miserable together happy apart or something like that and i just love that line yeah because it's heartbreaking yeah because you know they'd be happy together but they're denying themselves that or he's denying that for them i don't know i just feel like it was two perspectives again we're going back to that discussion of perspectives but like I see Daphne and, like, where she's coming from and, like, her belief that, like, this vow is stupid because, like, hello, your dad's dead, doesn't even know what you're doing. Um, But then I also see his perspective in the sense where, like, yes, he feels the ultimate betrayal because, like, you know, the trust is broken and, like, yeah, she did things and, like, all that sort of thing. Like, you know, I see that. And I also see, like, his, like, as I said, like, he shaped his life around his father and, like, his vow. And, like, that's it. Like, that's that's what he sees. That's what he knows. That's all he knows. And now Daphne is, like, wanting that change to happen right away. And, like, he has no 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 desire to change, obviously. Like, I think that needs to be said. Like, he has no desire to change his mind and to want children because he doesn't want children. He's made that vow. He's sticking to it. 
Um, but yeah, it's the power of perspective here. I, I I think her speech is better in the book. Like it's much more intricate, and like she says something like, "Doesn't he win if you deny yourself happiness? Like, isn't oh. that exactly what he wanted for you?" And it's so true. Mm. And like, I hate that they didn't include that because I I truly think that that's the core of it. Like, that's the core of the issue. Is like, you let himself win by denying yourself happiness. Yeah. You and like yeah. he would lose if if his one son, his one heir happened to have the best life, the most happy life, and a brood of children that he loves. It's just anyway. But I think how Simon looks at it is that his father only wanted an heir, and he doesn't look at like the idea of happiness because his father wasn't happy, despite having an heir. Like he was not happy. Um, so I don't think happiness came into play there. I think it was literally just, like, the act of having an heir and someone to continue the name. That's where, um, that's where he thought it lied. But, like, as how did you interpret that, like, confrontation with Simon and Daphne when she finally, like, when he finally reveals as to why he doesn't want children? Well, I mean, I thought finally, they're barely, you know, finally having the talk. Um. Like, did you think, like... Like, what she said was right. Yeah, like, like, did it help you see where she was coming from? Uh, like, of her wanting to have kids? Of her wanting to... Of her not understanding what he's, why he's denying himself. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, no, I do see it. And I understand it. And, I mean, it's a fucked up situation. I mean, what, what could have they have done differently? Uh, Been more honest, maybe, since the beginning? I think had discussions, like, actually talk to each other as human beings, as adults. It's how their, their relationship started as friendship, like... They could have built onto that. That that could have been a possibility of opening doors, of telling each other of their past, of their struggles, of their fears. Um, but I mean, I mean, I don't fault them. I don't. I don't think one of them is wrong and the other one. You know, like yeah, yeah. And so Simon says, um, like, if you have this baby, then i'll you know take care of you as i should and you'll be compensated as the duchess would be and if you are not pregnant then i will go on my merry way and never see you again but like (laughs) even if she's pregnant like how does that like it's still gonna be your heir if it's a boy like just like own it then well but that's that's what he says he's like i'll take care of you financially but that's it like i'm not gonna be emotionally invested in this which is again like he is doing what his father did to him what his father did to him can this can this lead into, like, the conversation that Simon had with Anthony about their discussion of their dads and stuff? Do you guys remember that? And, like, they hit, like, a nerve, like, and they go at it. Both of them, because their fathers yeah. are the main thing in their lives. Yeah, for different Simon, reasons. because he had an awful father. Yeah. And Anthony, because he had a great father who he lost and always thought yeah. that he needed to live up to. Exactly. And and, and thinks that to. he won't ever mm-hmm. outlive his father. And so both of them, it's like a huge nerve. Yeah. I mean, again, like, they're friends. They like each other. And yet they're both using the one thing that they know will hurt each other because they themselves are hurting. And they're like, I'm going to hurt you in return because yeah. I hate this. <laughs> So, and then they start fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very violently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Simon, like, his eyebrow got bust up. Like, <laughs> it was pretty violent. Um, yeah. And, like, Anthony was shaking <laughs> with rage. Um, and then we get to 
one of my favorite scenes again. <laughs> Just because of how emotional it is. Yeah. The scene yeah. when they're at the concert and they're sitting there listening and then Simon, he grabs her hand. Like, clearly, he's trying to send a message, but then uh, Daphne leaves because she feels that her courses have started yeah and you get that and in scene. modern day english her period yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you get that scene of her using those like hand wipes or whatever those yeah like whatever it was handkerchief and, like you see the blood and she starts yeah. crying and her mom so okay hard. so her mom sees her from across and like knows yeah. something's up so she goes yeah. and goes to their booth and then she sees her daughter and then sobbing and yet, and then you get, and it's probably one of the most powerful shots. You get that shot of Simon's face, and the only sound, like the music cuts out, and the it's only the sound is yeah. Daphne's cries over Simon's face. And you see yeah. his tears in his eyes. And I really think that he's he can hear yeah. her. I really think that what it's showing is that like his only focus is her right now because he can hear yeah. her cry and he's tearing up and i really think he's tearing up for her but he's also tearing up for this kid that will never be and himself mm -hmm. like this happiness that they're all denying himself and they're causing each yeah. other hurt so much yeah and even in the book like when he realizes she might be pregnant like at one point he's like he actually wants this kid <laughs> like that's the thing he actually wants this this kid and then he realizes like she's not pregnant anymore and he's sad he is sad yeah. about it. And so I do think that part of it is, like, he's he's crying for himself, too. Like, he's crying for all of them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. That scene, as you said, was done really well. And, like... It broke me. It was heartbreaking. Like, I honestly... I, like, I don't know why he was crying. Like, I think originally it was because, like, you know, he hears her pain and, like, he's helpless to it. Like, he's helpless to, like, her tears and her sobs. And, like, he realizes that he's the reason why that's happening. Um, I don't think I don't think that's what that is. I really think he's crying for her because he knows how much she wanted this. No, and like he knows he's the cause. Like he knows that he won't give her a baby. Yeah. So, um, because he still hasn't changed his mind at that point, at least in the show, um, he hasn't changed his mind on that. Um, but also Marina, um, she didn't go to the concert. She also had uh, tried to kill her baby. It's crazy how it kind of correlates oh, that at is, the same time. And those two things, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, happening at the same time, yeah. which is just like, oh my god, too much. And then Penelope finds her like on the floor. Yeah. I thought she was dead for a minute there. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I oh thought so too. I thought she was gonna try and commit suicide. That's what I thought too. But then I was like, no, she's probably just trying to kill the baby. But um, then doesn't that make it more worse? Because like oh, now we know how you know what happens to her. Yeah, um, which is uh, made even worse because she thinks she's rid of the baby. Yeah, and she's not. <laughs> And so the baby's still in there, uh, still cooking. Yeah, yeah. And and isn't this also where Sir Philip Crane's No, that's after this episode. That's eight, episode right? eight. That's the last episode. Okay, so episode eight titled After the Rain. What happens in this episode stuff? Alright, so the, uh, the grand finale. Yes, and what a finale it was. Um, so uh, Daphne and Simon are still not talking, obviously. Um but they have to host a ball for the end of the season because um, they have to show, like, a union front. Um, Colin, so he, you know, doesn't get taken up with the scandal with Marina. Um, but also, you know, they're the Duke and they need to 
have a ball at one point. Um, so she had a, Daphne had agreed to help Marina find her her lover, like her man, George. Um, and finally, a Sir Crane appeared um, at the Featherington house. And we find out it was the brother of the man she loved. And that her man had died in service. but And like he really loved her, but he died. That was also heartbreaking. <laughs> when she says that and how she... Like, I thought him a villain... But he yeah. loved me all this time. He loved me, and I was wrong. Oh, how yeah. she delivers that! Like that actress is great. <laughs> she was amazing. Yeah, that she, scene, yeah. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I cried. <laughs> I just cried so many times in episode yeah. seven and eight. They're very emotional. I was just crying, and I'm not a crier. I am not a crier, people. So this is huge for me. It means that I was really connected with what was going on. They did a really good job of, like, delivering emotions. Like, the actors are really good, but the direction was also really good. So, Sir Philip also um, decides not to leave, and he offers Marina um, marriage because she is still very pregnant. <laughs> guys, I'm losing it, guys. This is it's like... been a while. We've been recording for, like, four hours at this point. My voice has died two My hours ago. My voice is so horsey right now. <laughs> Same. Um, Anyways, so Sir Philip does, doesn't leave. He's like, Marina, I offer you my hand. So, uh, and then she's like, nah, I don't want it. And then she goes, she leaves and she goes upstairs and then she finds out she's still pregnant. And then that's when she comes back down and obviously accepts it. But we also talk about, not talk about. See, I can't speak today, guys. She, she I, doesn't I, I, I'm, rewind. I'm I don't out. think she accepts it that same day. She denies him. She leaves. Same episode, but different day. It's the same episode, but yeah, no, no. It's once she finds out she's pregnant, he uh, mm-hmm. he makes his way back, I think, and then. But doesn't she say no again? She says no, and then he leaves, and then she finds out she's pregnant. I'm pretty sure. I guess it might be another day, um, and then she is forced to accept it. She doesn't want to marry him, but she's forced to accept it. Like she knows she has no other choice. No one else forces her. She just knows she has no other choice, which is sad. Um, but also Daphne is getting sick of not getting answers from Simon and she goes searching for them and she ends up in his dad's old study and finds the letters baby Simon wrote to his dad. And Simon and Daphne are still very much not talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Daphne is getting ready for this ball that they're hosting at their London house. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Eloise is, like, on the verge of making her come out into society. And she (sighs) she has this line, which is, like, she says, um, sister, I suppose I should thank you. And then Daphne says, whatever for. And Eloise says, for being so perfect so that I don't Mm -hmm. have to be. That is, like, mean and great at the same time. Like, I felt like that was kind of mean. I didn't take it. But also, I get it. No, I I didn't take it as mean. I took it as... No, no, I don't no. think it is mean. I don't think she meant it as mean, and I don't think it's supposed to be. But I, I no. like, it's kind of also like, well, shit, like, <laughs> like Daphne. We know at this point, Daphne isn't perfect. Yeah, like <laughs> at this point, we um, know she's battling with this idea of always yeah. pretending to be perfect. Yeah. So it's also like a a bit of a blow. But like, I know that Eloise meant it as like, you are so great as a person that like I don't yeah. have to be. Yeah, but, yeah. Um. Oh, they have the portrait. They, oh, that's they, right. Yeah. Oh. Yes. They get the portrait, which um, is an interesting scene because 
So they're sitting there and Lord Granville is um, trying to paint them. And he's like, this is not working because uh, Simon they're so far away. They're very like (laughs) stoic and like still and like it's not working. Yeah. Um, And then he's like, oh, can you put your hand on on her shoulder? And Simon does. And then they have this moment where (laughs) they look into each other's eyes. And Lord Granville is like the picture of devotion. (laughs) I know. And like everyone else sees it, but them. I love the I love the portrait though. It was beautiful. I wonder it if it was. was a real painting. I don't know, but I love the 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 other portraits too, like that we see in the very first episode of, of like the Bridgertons, the, the brothers like and the sisters. Yeah. yeah, I love that too. And I saw on Twitter, um, the the portrait of the boys, um, is inspired by a real a real yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah it's inspired by it's like literally like the same thing but like with their clothes and their faces um so so simon goes to this um the the fight what will will wondrich what woodrich what um mondrich mondrich (laughs) and um mondrich is like i don't know like he's he's accepted the to lose the to lose the game lose the match sorry because um mr featherington or lord featherington well i can't fucking speak i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) lord featherington is in debt like a lot of debt and um, this man even wagers his own home yeah to that to that point and um yeah so he arranges something with Mondrich that Mondrich will lose his game and Featherington will um, bet on the other guy so that when he loses, mm-hmm. he gets all the money. And then by getting all the money, he can then give Mondrich more money than he would have made had he won. Yeah. And then he promised like him thing. half of his earnings. Yeah. Um. And so they organize that thing and then Mondrich does lose the game. Um, the, the match, sorry. Um, and, and then Featherington gets his money and, and then he's killed off, <laughs> essentially. The, the dad, Featherington is yeah, killed off, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. while Mondrich is living the life of luxury, basically. He's in society. Um. But this, the, uh, the people that killed him, they caught on to what he was doing, right? That's why they killed him yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, which is why they killed him and took his money. Which leaves Portia in ruins once yeah. again. And, like, you actually feel for her by that point, I feel like. Like, she's she's very evil in certain parts. But, she like, has They actually no... managed yeah. to make you care. Exactly. That she has no prospects right now. Yeah. She has, she's not young enough to, I guess, remarry, but she could if she wanted to. Yeah. Um, she has three daughters uh, to raise. Uh, she needs mm-hmm. funds for that. She needs to find a way to marry them off. They need to have a sizable dowry enough for men to want them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's a, she's left with a tough situation. And they also have like this. I, I liked the the scene where Marina asks her like, "How did you do it for two and twenty years? Twenty two years? Yeah. Um. And she's like, "Well, you find things to find things, find things to love about each mm-hmm. other, like." You have to because that's just the situation. People don't love each other and are married off, and you yeah. find things. And I, I like that that yeah. that line for her because it's like it really shows you that there's more to her than just a hungry, uh, high society mama that's just mm-hmm. trying to 
marry off her her kids and like doesn't love mm-hmm. them because i do think she's love she loves her kids she's just she's she, a particular peculiar woman <laughs> she's a very interesting woman for sure and i think as historical romance readers and like obviously viewers of period dramas um we only see the stories that end up love like they end up being love and like we don't see the situations where like you know they either one are comfortable with each other or two absolutely despise each other but are forced to have a life together um we don't see those situations and Portia and her husband was one of them where they absolutely didn't like each other but they had to find a way to procreate (laughs) and also like live in the same house together yeah Um, and and that line is also important for Marina because I if I remember correctly Sir Philip Crane and Marina did not love each other but like there's they were they, they cared you know by by a certain point like he, he, yeah. he was sad that she died and so I do think that that will help with that like of her being like all right so I have to find things to love about this man even though he's not the man that I loved yeah um so yeah I'm curious to see how they're going to, like, include that into the story. Like, is it just going to be a thing that we experience in season five if we get Mm. that far? Or is it something that's going to be, like, in our faces from, like, you know, season two or three? I don't know. I'm curious. Um, And so we get to the ball. (laughs) Um, So basically what happens is um, Eloise also makes an appearance at the ball. And she has figured out in quotations um that lady delacroix the modiste is the uh late lady whistledown and she finds out <laughs> from the queen's um men i don't know who he is to her i forgot that they plan to catch um lady whistledown and expose her at the the ball yeah um and obviously eloise didn't ever want her to get caught she just wanted her just to know who it was and also to change the narrative for some people i actually Um, think it's more deep than that i think the whole reason why eloise is trying to save lady whistledown here is because this is a woman who um by staying anonymous has created a platform for herself she has a voice she she uses that voice and she's making money off of it and she has that liberty that eloise want so de- desperately and so i do think that it's all about for her it's all about um saving someone who has what she wants because to her it's like saving herself yeah which i think is really interesting like it was obviously probably the middle of the night because you know these balls start really late um and <laughs> eloise is just like out in the open she just paid off her her man and was like uh yeah i need to go stop this uh lady whistle down and so she goes and like she's in the like middle of the night not in the best safest area and like she's just there like flagging her arms like i was like excuse me eloise do you not know where you are (laughs) and so back to the ball we have the ball the the first ball hosted by uh the i was gonna say the bassets it's the well they are the bassets but they are the hastings the Hastings, sorry, yes. And um, Lady Denbury has, says to Simon, and I think this is a great line because it explains everything that is wrong with Simon's uh, plan here. Mm-hmm. And she says, pride, your grace, it will cost you everything and leave you with nothing. Uh, you must not allow it to, ha- to happen to you too. 
because she's obviously talking about his father and how he yeah. let pride ruin everything for him. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, you can't let that happen to yourself, too, because that's the whole thing. Like, he's repeating what his father did, thinking that he's actually seeking revenge, which he's not. Yeah. And that was, like, in, in a way, his wake-up call, um, cool. which was, I mean, much needed. And then they had their first dance at the ball. And then what happens? Oh, wait! No, before then, Violet has this amazing speech to Daphne about her father. And Violet is like, the last time I danced was with your father. And, like, she she know. says, like, we chose to love each other every day. Yes. Love yes. is not easy. We had our yeah. battles. But we woke up and chose to to love each other and she's like i miss your father but it's incredibly comforting to know and and like and and brings me brings me peace to know that we did that we loved each other Mm -hmm. every day despite Despite everything everything. exactly and so daphne for her it's like she realizes well i choose to love this man from now on like i no matter what i love this man i choose to Mm -hmm. love him yeah um and so that's that's how she makes her choice. And then they have their dance. And then the rain starts. And, like, they stop dancing. Everyone else leaves the dance floor. And Daphne has, like, this moment of... It's essentially like she's being free. Like, she's just... Yeah. She has this moment of... I don't even know how to describe it. How, how does like, one describe that scene? I don't even know how to... Like, I think it was done so well, like, with her looking up to the sky. Oh, sorry. Her looking up to the sky. <laughs> I'm, like, doing the actions. I'm moving away. Um, Yeah, looking up to the sky. It's, like... Like, her facade was, like, melted. Like, it was, like... With every, like, raindrop that hit her, it sounds corny, but, like, it was melting away. Like, she no longer had to keep that act on. And, like... And that's how I saw it. It was, like, her awakening, in a way. Like, her... her Full awakening. That's what yeah, I Yeah, well, it. I mean, rain, right? Like, resurrection, uh, rebirth, washing away one's sins, moving on, starting over. Like, that's that's what that means to me, that scene. is like, yeah. she is letting go of this idea of perfection. She is acknowledging her flaws and his flaws and choosing to love him despite it all. She's loving herself in that moment. She's like fuck expectations <laughs> fuck all of this i am who i am yeah and then she has this speech with simon which she's like i love every thing about you i love all of your scars i love your flaws i love mm-hmm. everything even the, the darkest parts of yeah. you i choose to love them and i i think that's important and i think that there's more yeah that's she there. Yeah, I think she also talks about, like, how Simon um, believes himself unlovable because of, like, his father. And, like, she talks about it. And, like, she obviously admits that, yeah, I look at your letters. But, like, what was I supposed to do? So, yeah, it was, like, her, like, affirming and just saying, like, I love you despite what you think. And, like, you are not unlovable. And, like, I think that discussion was really important. And it was, like, I think it was for the first time she said I love you. And it was done beautifully. Yeah. And but what I mean is like so she was mad at him and she mm-hmm. in in those earlier moments she was like, "Well, I don't like this version of you. Like I don't like what yeah. you've done here." And so I yeah. do actually think that what she was saying is like I'm so unhappy and I I want to be happy and I want you. I want all of you. I accept even the parts that I 
I I thought I couldn't love. I love them. I, yeah. I choose to love them. So how did you think about the love confession, like on her side, that she didn't really expect anything from him again? Like she just like said it and left. I think that was needed. I, I Yeah. I think that was such a powerful moment for her. She took charge. She, she, she literally said dropped what she had the mic. To say. Yeah, and she said, "Well, <laughs> find me when you have something to say to me." Yeah, because in this moment, I have to say my piece, <laughs> and that's that's that, you know. And and I love that because it was all about her. Like mm-hmm. even in the rain, they could have had them like I don't fucking know dancing in the rain or whatnot, but. The focus is solely on her face of what she's experiencing in that moment. And mm-hmm. that's, that's her realization of everything. And so I like that she leaves. She's yeah. not expecting anything in return. She's like, well, I'm here and I choose happiness. And so if you choose happiness too, come find me. I'm in my room. <laughs> yeah. What did you think, S, about it? I think it kind of goes back to what March says that this was or what, what both of you guys said that this was such a, a focus on her point of view mm-hmm. throughout her journey. Yeah. So it was nice that she was the one that that said it and laid it all out and be like, okay, you let me know when you're ready, yeah. when whatever you want to do. Yeah, with no so, expectations, right? Because nice. she's yeah. she's freeing mm-hmm. herself of of expectations, so she's also freeing him of expectations. She's like, I'm not. This is my choice, but like, do whatever, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I think like that was her finally being like, that's it. Like, this is what I this is what I think. This is what I believe. And like, she finally just like put herself out there, and like, I loved it. I thought it was like she did it so well, and like the. Her speech was so well done. Like I don't know, I don't remember how it happened in the books, but like, just oh, like the way no she speech in the book, she had no speech. I don't remember. This doesn't happen in the book. The the ball thing doesn't. Happen. Oh, okay, okay. Um. And anyways, so at the end of the ball, Simon was supposed to actually leave and not return. Um. But yeah. So again, Daphne, <laughs> again. Simon is a runner. All right, he's a when runner. Something happens when shit hits the roof, and he doesn't want to confront it. He runs. He's like, peace out. Um, yeah. but yeah. So Daphne made that confession, believing that he was gonna go anyways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just thought like, yeah, well done, Daphne. Like she yeah. shed like her fake skin, and was like, I'm gonna be real, and I loved it. I, and she says, I'm tired of pretending I don't love you. Yes. Which I loved. <laughs> yeah. And then Simon comes to her later while she's in her room and yes. he finally confesses yeah. that he loves her, but he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He doesn't know how to be the man she needs. And she's yes. like, we'll figure it out. And then she just tells him that he just needs to stay. Yeah. That's all and I need. That's like, all it was I need. just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And they'll figure it out. Yeah. Which also leads me to believe that we're probably going to see them again like in future yeah. seasons that they're probably still going to have storylines of their own because which I, yeah. well, why wouldn't you with reggae's face like hello cash in on that have I know. a lot in the show <laughs> like I'm, and I'm not gonna complain <laughs> no me either and like they can continue their story yeah. because like they still have a lot more to say like mm. romance books tend to end when like the couple's at their happiest but we know marriage doesn't work like that and like relationships mm-hmm. don't work like that like there's always mm-hmm. going to be issues there's always going to be things to overcome and if they continue their story in season two i'm all for it yeah me too like i would love for them to keep on having a, like a significant presence in the show yeah um 
in in the books do you see them um they're present i mean because yeah. it's romance novels right so it's it's definitely focused on the, the the main two people in a way that this show is much more like it, it talks about a lot more storylines than that yeah um but they are present like especially in anthony's story so uh because there's the famous palmol game which is uh, the best scene in literature ever i remember written. that scene Okay, we're not talking about Anthony's book. Sorry, okay. sorry. Anyways. Um, so um, basically the story ends. They finally have, you know, proper actual sex. Um, you know, and he comes staying in inside her, and that's was important. exactly. It was he consensual. Makes that choice. And uh, she gets pregnant and they have a baby boy. I love that Simon was there for the d- delivery of the baby. <laughs> Of course he was. And then he sees his son and he gets down on his knees. Like it's the, I know. He was just hit by such a wave of love that he just couldn't stand on his own two feet anymore. Yeah. I love that. I love that she had her, like, her husband on one side and then she had her mother her on mom. the other side. And I'm yeah. like, ugh, this is so beautifully done. Yeah. And we get like just this beautiful shot of simon looking down at his son and it's just yeah he's at his happiest in that moment and you know he he yeah. has everything he's wanted and it's just so beautiful it's yeah. beautiful yeah i, cr- I cried <laughs> again <laughs> <laughs> crying all the tears in this episode for real yeah, I just think they did a really, like, good job. It was historical romance, and the adaptation was so, like, well done. And it complemented the book, I think. I think it did a really good job of telling the story, but also, like, the problematic parts, they did a really good job of, like, making it work in today's society. While not just ignoring it either. Because exactly. if they had, then what would be the conflict between them? <laughs> I think if they had ignored it, I would have been really angry. Because really? and that's coming from someone who hates. That's the coming scene. exactly. That's coming from me because I feel like it was very like monumental for this couple. And I'm talking about the scene where like you know she finds out about you know how sex actually works and then they have sex. Yeah, because I felt like as I I think we talked about it earlier. Like we feared them actually taking out the scene because of how problematic it was. Um, but it was as I said, monumental for their story. It, like, it caused conflict. But also because problematic scenes make for conversation. Like, it opens conversations that otherwise we wouldn't be having, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, we we spoke about this issue at length for I don't even know how long. And not and just March. today. We do, like, yeah. we did before multiple yeah. times. Like, it does... And, like, this is one scene, but in general, like, I genuinely think that those types of scenes oftentimes allow you to think about yourself in a different manner and, and reflect about your own desires, perhaps. Or, you know, because I'm thinking, like, say, rape fantasies. Yeah. Some women have them. Some men, too, probably. And And it's like, well, okay, so there's this scene in the book. Why is it calling to me? Why am I attracted to it even though i would never want that in my real life and so i do think that problematic scenes like that kind of do allow you to reflect on certain things that otherwise you wouldn't be really thinking about you know what i mean i mean yeah and i think you brought up like a really important point of like consent and how like daphne and every other girl in that time period was not aware of and like even like the author when writing it probably wasn't as like aware or like as 
Like, it wasn't as talked about as it is now in 2020. Um, so, yeah, I think that also comes into play. And I feel like it brings discussions, like you said, about situations that aren't necessarily um, consensual. Um, but in the context of this story and in this book, it, you know, it wasn't something that was discussed because it wasn't something they were aware of. Yeah. Um, and then just to end this... It does end on the shot of a bee yes. on the windowsill, yeah. which is the biggest tease of season two. Because we all know what the bee means. Maybe S doesn't know what the bee means. <laughs> you can tell me what the bee means. The bee. Spoiler, but yes. Okay, so Ed, so Edmund, the, the Bridgerton father, died of a bee sting. And so Anthony is afraid of bees but like it's a phobia you know what i mean like yeah he's, he's deathly affair, uh, af afraid of bees um and so it means a lot for his story because he's always believed that he couldn't ever like his father was the greatest man in the world for him and so he thinks that he will never outlive his father and so that's what yeah. the reason why he never wanted love was because he he never wanted to leave a woman behind that he had loved uh, without her husband, like like her father, like his father did to to Violet, essentially, um, and so and and obviously in the book, eventually at one point someone gets stung by a bee, <laughs> and that's the big event that brings Anthony and uh, Kate together. I'm excited. I'm really excited for Anthony's like season. I am so excited. But I mean, I guess we should quickly talk about the how they wrap up Anthony and Sienna's story because uh, like, yes. that's the thing we completely <laughs> we totally disregarded <laughs> Sienna and Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I like how they wrap this this thing up. I I think. Even coming from someone who, because, okay, so, uh, like I said, Anthony's whole thing is that he never loved anyone because he denied himself love. Here, it kind of made it seem like him and Sienna, was it love? Was it not love? I don't know. Was it comfort? I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I think they're going to play it as, like, it was just comfortable for him. Plus, like, he wanted her to be some someone else. And that's the whole thing between yeah. them. She's like, you're, you want me to be someone else, and I don't want to be that person. But was it that he wanted her to be someone else? Because, like, yes, that was one. But, like, also, what was his intention of bringing her to the ball? Because originally he told Sienna, um, you're going to come to the ball that my sister and her husband are hosting. Um, because, like, you know, with the backing of the Duke and the Duchess, as well as, like, you know, my family, like, they'll accept you society will accept this union and then yeah what were your thoughts about that one it could be just like a like they make you think that's gonna come into play for anthony but the truth is gonna come into play for benedict wait what do you mean benedict well because benedict's love interest sophie is like a, a servant so oh okay so i don't know but if my thing there, like, what was his intention? I didn't understand what he was doing. I was just like, Anthony, what are you doing? Like, yeah, away. right. Well, not, what were his intentions to this ball? <laughs> because was he intending to, like, you know, showcase her and be like, I'll marry her, or was it just what? What would like? What was his purpose? Well, I think that's what that that was her point too. What was your purpose? Your yeah, purpose? like because that's, at that's... the end of the day, he can't marry her, and she even said it like his his title comes first. His family comes first. Yeah. They weren't meant to be. And eventually, I mean, I think I think he realizes that. I think he realizes that he kind of used her as an idea of 
not being who he is, if that makes sense. Like, he used her as an to escape. get away from, yeah. Yeah. And he realizes that, and they, I think they're done. Like, I, I really think they're done. It felt to me like the ending of that and the new beginning for Anthony. Plus, like, he says, now I gotta go find my uh, Viscountess. And he's like, I won't involve love into it. <laughs> yeah, and that's why he chooses Kate's sister. And I love that Daphne and Simon, Daphne is like, will he learn? <laughs> and, and, and Simon is like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. But Lady Whistledown. Who is Lady Whistledown? Is it, is it Penelope or is it not? It is. Yeah, it is. it's Penelope. Which I was really curious as to why they revealed it so soon. Because in the books, it, you don't know that until her book, which is the fourth one. Yeah. So, but I mean, technically, the no one else but us know who it is. Like, the viewers know, but the, the no one else knows. But does that take out the excitement? It does. I really wish they had waited a little bit longer. Me too. For that reveal, because I, I, I mean, I guess they have a plan in mind. It's clear to me that these people know what they're doing and yeah. they know where it's going, but... I'm like, oh, God damn it. What did, why, why did they do that? It, it kind of had me doubting a little bit, though, that she really is Whistledown. I thought maybe oh. she could be someone that delivers Whistledowns. Oh. That she works for Whistledown, but she is not Whistledown. Yeah. And then she's kind of, yeah. But I, I feel like as like, like as a viewer or like even as a reader, like Penelope being Lady, Lady Whistledown makes sense because one, she's a wallflower and she has all the time to observe and like look at people but also she has the intel of her own house and also the intel of eloise and her house she's just like she's well like she's well informed but like no one notices her to notice that she's looking which when you go back you can see several scenes where she's looking at like what's going on between uh daphne and and simon and she's just lurking there watching people so so. okay so she was the one that revealed that marina was pregnant do you think she regrets it? The uh, because after mm-hmm. finding, because she, she finds Marina on the floor. I mean, she did that knowing it would ruin her own family. Yeah, that's another thing too. I think, I think she should she she did that because she cares about Colin and knew that that was the only way that would end. Because she did ask Marina, she did co- confront Marina and ask her to tell Colin, and she wouldn't. So she thought that was her last resort. And do you think it was as like selfless as like, you know, saving Colin? Or like do you think it was just she also didn't want Colin to get married to someone? I think it was both. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, she did ruin her own family in the process. So But like her family also wasn't the nicest to her as well. Like they always made fun of her weight, of her looks, of like, you know. I mean all Penelope of that. herself does that in Lady Whistledown. Like she's caught, like the, per- the the person that gets the most, uh, like insulted in Lady Whistledown for like what she looks like is Penelope. Like, she- <laughs> so you can say that she's being mean about everyone, but she's being mean about herself the most because it's like she's literally just parroting back what people have said to her and what they believe of her, and also what pro- she probably believes of herself. I think it runs deeper than that. She's very aware that her dresses look awful. Ugh. Why the yellow? She wears at one point. She they're at this garden party, the Queen's garden party, and she's wearing this pink dress yes. with like roses in her hair, and she looked really pretty. Yeah, I was she like, looked, this yeah. Is, this is what she deserves. And um, obviously, I'm hoping that changes as the story progresses, which I'm pretty sure it will. Um, oh, yeah, it does. 
Okay, one thing I wanted to talk about, but we don't have to at all include it in the uh, the podcast. But I just like wanted your thoughts on it. Um, so this is okay. This is one thing that made me really dislike the show, and like you know, this is why I can't say I loved it. Okay, so my question, like, okay, so the cu- question of like color and color blindness. So we went into the show believing that it was a color blind show, meaning like. You know, we're not looking, we're not choosing people based on color, right? And we're not looking at them like they're a colored man. Simon was not supposed to appear black. Um, I mean, did they sell it that Or white or any other color. But later on in the show, yeah, they did sell it like that. Later on in the show, they mentioned that the king married a black woman, thus making it possible for people of color to be a part of the London ton. So then that negates literally everything that they taught us to believe of the show. But then also it made for very awkward situations and uncomfortable situations. One being when Portia slaps uh, Marina. I don't know. And then another situation that I had, like, that literally rubbed me the wrong way that I, like, had to pause the show for a second because I just, I didn't know where it was going was when the old man, one of her suitors, um, came and, like, ended up looking at her like she was cattle, you know, making sure, like, her body was shaped well, her age was at the proper age to, like, you know, produce a child, um, her teeth, he made her open her mouth. And as I said, she's a black woman I mean, during the time of slavery. As they did to slaves when they were yeah. wanting to buy slaves. Like, yeah, so no, that's, I, get, I get that. Yeah, That's where I'm getting at. Like, I just, no, like... That's, I, that's fair criticism. And I don't think... I think... I do think we can include this. Like, this is a fair conversation. Yeah. And I wish they hadn't included that. Like, I, I understand I what they were going for. Like, this whole idea of love conquers all, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree with you that it did make for certain... Uh, awkward situations another thing that i've seen pointed out and i do think it's important to mention it is um the fact that they casted people of color and yet the dark-skinned women are all in the back exactly they don't talk and so i do hope that this is something that they take into account for season two and rectify in some way that they have more uh black-skinned people having roles um, cause like there was the father, but he was an awful man. And then the one young lady of yeah. color has a terrible story that's only going to get more terrible. But I so, mean, Lady Danbury was darker skinned and she was, she was. pretty pro- prominent in the story. She, she was. But again, she I was. feel like that's just like, you know, picking at straws at this point. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to write off a whole show for that. No, I do think of that there's not. room to improve. And I only hope that they, they see that and they think, well, yeah, we made a mistake here and we're going to. But do I better. do think it was necessary to acknowledge that issue as Marina yeah, yeah, being yeah. a black yeah, woman and being looked at like as a slave owner would look at a black woman. But that's, that's like the one thing that was stopping me from absolutely loving the show because of that. But like I think that was just my own like point of view that's and like fair. no 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 but I but I I agree like that's good that you brought it up you know mm-hmm. that is fair and I I I really truly hope that they realize that and and change it in in coming seasons yeah because like I don't know going back to like color blindness like if we were looking at the show as it being colorblind like it wouldn't necessarily be the same like color connotation color blindness doesn't exist and i think that that's what they're going my, for like they couldn't yeah. have done that they because couldn't. they would have it's kind of like a um what's it called like um 
damned if you do, damned if you don't type of Mm -hmm. situation. It's like, if you don't acknowledge color at all, that's people are going to point that out and be like, that's dumb. And if they do, then it creates also awkward situations. And they should have made it like their their duty to not have situations like this. So I think what they tried to do is like mention it, have it be a thing without having Mm -hmm. it overpower the whole show. Because Reggae's thing, like Reggae talked about this at length. He was like, I am allowed in this world to not be a slave. Like that is not the only role that I can have in this Mm. TV show. I'm a love interest. I'm a man of... Um, influence and power and money and yeah. i was gonna say and he did an amazing job like he i really did. don't think color should have came into this discussion in terms of like who was the best fit to play simon because like reggae really did a, a like an amazing job at this role yeah um so you know it, yeah. it does show um happiness for for people of color although yeah. she's not <laughs> marina poor girl i know uh yeah so, so yeah so, i just wanted to yeah, talk about that it's it's a complex situation for sure. Yeah. And and I think it's it's worthy of, of mentioning. And I, I I think they were in a tough situation where they, they kinda what what can yeah. you do? You know? Exactly. And how do you do it? And they kinda exactly. did an oopsie. I mean, as a person of color, it was it was an oopsie. And I, I don't think it's like hard to look past it, but like at the same time, like you kind of have to to enjoy the show and all in all, I did enjoy this show. I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, love certain parts of it, <laughs> minus this one. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. the one thing I really, really disliked. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, are we done? I think so. <laughs> Do we want to end it on that note? Like, let's end it on. I don't like, know. More I mean, uplifting. What can we say? Um, beautiful. Yeah. Powerful. We didn't. We didn't talk I about the it. the sex scene on the stairs where he goes down on her. Oh, oh, where he went down yeah. on her. Oh. That scene was, ooh. Yeah. And then he just left her there. Like, you know, she had her time and he's like, mm, nah. They legit have a shot from above yeah. of his face <laughs> between her legs. And I was like, yes, thank you. This I is, know. It was. That ooh. man is hungry. He is hungry for some putty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does that a couple times, and I love that they show that. You yeah. know? It's important. I will say, though, one thing that kind of irked me with some of the sex scenes, like, this man literally would just, like, make out with her, take off her clothes, and, like, just go in there. And I'm like, where's the foreplay? But I do. <laughs> like, is but she ready? Yes. yes, but I also appreciate that they didn't make it look like it lasts hours. It was quick. You know, it didn't, like, it was, it was realistic in that way. It's like, yeah, I mean, boom and done, ma'am. Like, it's not always hours and hours of lovemaking because he, like, is the champion of holding it in. You know what I mean? Like That's true. But at the same time, my poor Daphne, I hope she was ready. But I'm pretty sure if that was your husband, you know, just looking at him would make you ready. In the book, there is no foreplay. He just shoves it in in one go no preparation no like easing it in bit by, by bit it's just ramming Simon. it in. yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i love the sex scenes i i i love how they did them i really really do i think they were very tasteful and like really respectful all right let us are we ready to end this finally my voice is really it's really 10 hours later (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we probably forgot a whole lot of things. Apologies. Um, I mean, apologies. That's all I can say about that. I mean... I'll probably be editing this and thinking like, oh my god, I can't believe we didn't mention that. I mean, we're always here. We're always going to be talking. Um, If there's something like you thought we missed and you know wanted to hear our, our thoughts on it let us know um because we'll for I mean, sure I'm, talk I'm about it i'm seconds away from starting the bridgerton podcast so <laughs> <laughs> oh god just me myself and i talking to no one about how much i love this thing <laughs> if you could pick between the brothers who would you pick <laughs> anthony anthony what about you i think i'd pick colin really huh uh, yeah, I I would choose Anthony. But if Simon was in the the mix, I mean, Simon cannot be. Simon just is a god. Simon's st- the, he, who created Reggae's face. Uh, that's yeah. What you sorry, know. this like, I mean the TV show Simon. Yes. Yeah, like they really spent a whole lot of time crafting that face because every single angle, you're just yo. How does that man exist? How did they not know that this man existed? Is this his first show? It's like coming out. No, no, it's not. He's worked with uh, Shonda Len before. Really? Yeah, on the on a show called For the People, I think. Oh yes, I never watched that though. No, he's not. He's not new, but I just didn't know he existed, and I'm mad. <laughs> on that note, um, thanks for listening to uh, two hours and thirty minutes of us. And if you're uh, still here, plus, plus the first part. Um, Thank you. This, yeah, <laughs> you're still here. Thanks. <laughs> um, I hope we'll see you soon. Our next episode will be um, our best of 2020 episode. Perhaps we're going to drop some of the books that we're um, excited for in 2021. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that too. You can find us on social media um, at Romancing the Monsters Podcast on uh, Instagram, as well as the RTM Pod on Twitter. You can also find me at uh, Foes and Lovers on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me us on both Instagram and Twitter at But This Book. And you can find me, Seth, uh, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And you can also mail us. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) At our P.O. box that we don't have. (laughs) (laughs) Or send us like a a carrier pigeon. Yeah. I've literally lost it at this point, guys. I'm I'm gone. Um, uh, Anyways. Bye. 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 (laughs) Are we done? Yeah. Yes.